Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Shut up and pitch. That's what somebody told Chris Archer. It was another Rays pitcher, a rookie at that. And then Archer said the same thing to him. What's going on at Rays camp? And the Daytona 500's around the corner. Could NASCAR be in trouble? Because there's no drivers left to root for. All that and more on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with my producer, Steve Versnick. Before we get into the podcast, I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial membership. That's a $15 value, and as a listener to this show, you'll get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sportsday to take advantage of the deal. Audible is owned by Amazon. It's the leading provider of digital audiobooks. What does that mean for you? Well, they've got more than 180,000 titles to choose from, and unlike streaming, you own your books since they've been downloaded. You can even listen to them offline. That's audibletrial.com dot com slash sports day for a free 30-day trial membership and a free audiobook so uh steve i i know as we uh sit here and and uh do this podcast uh terrible news on wednesday i just wanted to acknowledge this there were at least of course 17 people were killed in a high school shooting in parkland florida uh, according to the broward county sheriff's office the suspects in custody is a 19 year old former student nicholas cruz he had been expelled uh, from that uh, school, I guess, uh, previously, and, and obviously has some mental issues and things like that. Look, I just, I'm not going to get on my soapbox too big here. I've got two little girls each morning I send to school. I, I pray that they are going to be safe when they're walking to their bus, um, but they're not. And the fact of the matter is, you know, as, as much as our thoughts, our prayers go out to the families of the victims, I, I mean, there was some real heroism in this thing. A uh, football coach named uh, Aaron Aaron Feiss, who's a security guard at that uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. He stepped in front of some students, protected them. He was shot. He's battling for his life uh, at the hospital. And I'll just say this. This was the 19th school shooting, and we haven't hit March yet. And, you know, not to... Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to condemn the Second Amendment. In fact, I'm all for gun ownership and all that. It's just this this guy used an, another AR-15 assault rifle. That's the same thing that was used at Sandy Hook and in Aurora, Colorado, in the movie theater, and San Bernardino and Las Vegas. And I know, you know, mental health plays into all this and that. It just seems that these weapons are, are weapons of war, and I just wish that as a society we could figure out a way uh, to make things a little safer. And I know it's just not the guns. It's it, There's a lot involved here. The bigger thing is, is that uh, our, you know, this this is really close to home in the state of Florida, and it's affecting communities all over this country. And I just hope that, as a, a society, we can help uh, figure this out. Okay, I'm back in my lane. I'm back on sports, um, and I'll tell you, uh, this is this was really an interesting day at Rays camp, as it always seems to be when they when they gather. If you remember, uh, Steve, back in 2016. It was the first day of spring training, and it was around 8.30 in the morning or something like that. It was on a Sunday, and there was about 
30 minutes before they were all going to have a team meeting and then they were going to go out uh, in about 45 minutes or so and then have their first workout. And that's when Blake Snell, who was a rookie at the time, uh, you know, and, and Jacob Faria walked into the clubhouse and Chris Archer lit him up. And he did it with reporters around and he said it was unacceptable, remember, for them to to walk in there that late even though, you know, they were only required to be there for the workout and he told them that, uh, you know, he gets there at 6.30 a.m. And, you know, and, and that became a thing, right? They, they were never late again, but, but Archer made a big deal about, you know, sort of showing the rookies up. Well, let's, let's fast forward to just Wednesday. And this time it was Archer and rookie pitcher Brent Honeywell, who, believe me, even though he's 22 and, and hasn't been in the majors yet, does not lack for confidence. I mean, he's always one of those guys – that is happy to tell you about how good he is. Well, Archer and Honeywell get along okay, but here's what Archer said about Honeywell on Wednesday. We uh we spent a lot of time together, and um, you know he he talks a lot, and um, you know I, I've already told him until he gets some dirt on his spikes, he needs to just he needs to keep it down a little bit. And I'm excited to see him pitch, but uh. You know, you, you can't do all that talking without ever throwing a major league baseball in your life. Um, and he knows that. I say that to his face. I have mad love and respect for him. And um, But as far as him teaching other people, I don't know. I've never been in a clubhouse with him. Um, as far as him competing, I know he's going to do that. At what level, we don't know yet. And I'm excited to find out in spring. <laughs> so this sounds familiar. Archer sort of checking the uh, the rookie a little bit but it doesn't stop there because Honeywell who uh, has had a little success of his own instead of just taking it like maybe Blake Snow and those guys did no 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 he came back and fired back and basically told Archer to shut up and pitch because he said maybe he should worry about his own game he's had three straight losing seasons an ERA pushing around four and here's what Honeywell had to said he said the 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 thing the biggest thing is for the ace of the staff right now, is to be the ace. You've got to throw up some numbers out there. Impress me. Impress me. I'm not taking any shots at anybody. I'm not cutting him down. But I would think I think that would benefit in the best way possible. It's time to go now. This is go time for him this year. This is what he's saying about Chris Archer. This is a kid who's not spent one day in the major leagues. Who's right here, Steve? They both are. They're both right. I agree. They both have points, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, look, Honeywell has not pitched in the majors yet. Uh, And and Chris is right. I mean, until you get there, you can't – I won't say you can't, but – Probably shouldn't. Probably shouldn't. Um, You know, know, part of of baseball and a team is you got to be a team. Um, And so you probably shouldn't be doing that. But at at the same time, you know, Archer – has underperformed at least statistically um, the last few years. Now, eats a ton of innings up, uh, which there's a lot to be said for that. Pitchers today Mm -hmm. that go out every year and pitch 200 innings, um, he'll get you a lot of strikeouts. um, But in those critical situations, he doesn't seem to be able to get out of the jams to to put together winning seasons. I think what he hasn't won more than 12 games in a season yet. 12 games is the most wins he's had. He's your ace of the staff. He's pitched six seasons. He's now 51 and 63. And I know that wins and losses, uh, you know, if you talk to guys in Major League Baseball, aren't always the the number one stat, to say the least. 
Um, you're right. He does eat a ton of innings. He throws a ton of strikeouts. But he's not, you know, he's a two-time All-Star, okay? Uh, you can argue whether last year he should have made it or not, but, you know, he did. He was one of those guys that went down and pitched anyway, even though his turn was coming up. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, he is not – look, Chris Archer is 29 years old. Um, you know, you can no longer say, well, he's a young guy with a big upside. This is, this is for the most part, who he is. And he's a two-pitch pitcher, fastball, wipeout slider guy. And that's been part of his problem is that, you know, he hasn't really come up with that third pitch that, uh, you know, I talked to Kyle Snyder about that, the new pitching coach, that he needs to, you know, work on the change up, be able to throw it. And so so teams cannot just sit on one or the other. They're both really good pitches, but he ends up burning himself out uh, and not going deep into games. But having said all that, Archer sort of has always, you know, especially with, you know, guys moving on, whether it was David Price, I really think that he's – I really think he's always wanted to be David Price. I think he's, you know, patterned himself after him, sort of the way he speaks and and, and speaks up at times. The, the difference is is that David Price won a lot of freaking games, and Chris Archer did not. And David Price won a Cy Young, and Chris Archer did not. You know, so um, it's just, but but yet, you know, everybody has anointed him. We did that uh, at the Tampa Bay Times. We put him on the cover of uh, of our paper one year and said he's the new face of baseball and all this stuff. And people bought into that, and yet he still is is the ace of the staff, and he is he is sort of the leader of the pitching staff, um, and so you have to give him you have to give him some respect, and yet Honeywell doesn't seem to care about that. And what's funny is that he's actually sort of jabbing Archer right where everybody would would hit him back, which is, hey man. How about how about your record? You know, you've spent a lot of time up here. I I just think it was uh, it was interesting, and and I don't know that there's any winner or losers here. Apparently, they get along together. They've both since uh, tweeted. If, they've both since tweeted today, saying all love and all's good, and they're pushing each other. I'm paraphrasing, yeah, no, but um, nobody believes that, though, right? <laughs> I mean, well, it's nice that they tweeted it, but do we really think that these two guys aren't going to be kind of like you know? On each other's case a little bit here? Uh, I, you know, the one thing I find about it in in today's society of, of athletes and such where it's cliche after cliche after cliche is we actually heard some yeah. honesty out of two guys today. I love it. I love it. Is, is yeah, you don't I'm, you don't get that very often anymore. Normally it's, you know, well, you know, we're on to, to do this or, you know, right. oh, I'm excited to see everyone pitch and it's going to be great. And exactly. You, know, you right. don't you got honesty out of these two guys today. And. And if they are, if there is a lot of respect and love for that, that goes on in the clubhouse all the time, where you're going to be ribbing each other. So, is this they're at each other's throats, or is this just guys having fun with each other? And, and, and normally it doesn't get in the media because normally guys are just saying cliche after cliche and not being honest to the media. And see, I, and I, I don't I, know the answer to the question because I don't know their yeah, relationship, I mean, and they've never been on a team together. They, uh, but they, they've been they've in the organization. Yeah, they've gone out to dinner. They've done things like that, and they both heard each other's comments, and they came back at each other, and, and uh, you know weren't standing together when they did it. And you know, there's one thing to say it to a reporter, and then it hits the paper, and then it becomes a you know becomes a thing, right? It becomes a schism, or people are trying to make it into one. But I'm with you. I mean, the whole you know, both of them are saying this to each other, which is shut up and pitch. The last thing I want either one of them to do, especially in my business as a writer, and I've always said this that Tom and I. Tom Jones and I used to get in this argument all the time because he would kind of get on his soapbox and say, you know, 
I just wish Joe McCoy would this, or I just wish so-and-so would just shut up and play. The worst thing I want a guy to ever do is shut up because if he does that, then now I'm back to cliche world, and i got to tell you what he really thinks. We complain, about Bill, we, we complain about Bill Belichick. Right, who never exactly. answers anything and just says, "Well, we're on to the next game." Yeah, uh, right. You know, or but when Jason, and his whole team parrots that to some extent. But when Jason Light comes out and says he cringed at some of the expectations of like they were going to score every oh, drive this season, and yeah. you know, the, and then everyone gets all up in arms. How could you say that? It's it, you know, right? I, I, it was honesty. I'd rather yeah. get an honest look into what people think and are are, sure. are doing than than cliche after cliche. And and it was refreshing today to hear that. Now, what it means going forward. Uh, time's going to tell, and a lot of it's going to depend on their relationship and 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 Kyle Snyder and Kevin Cash and and their teammates as well to whether this yeah. is going to be a, a thing or if this is just guys pushing each other and having some fun. Well, it's good that they they both want to be the ace of the staff, and we've heard about Honeywell for a long time. And and you know, look, I I talked to uh, Snyder, and and he says, oh, this guy, believe me, I guarantee you, he's going to have an impact on our on our team this year and our staff. Now, I don't know that he's going to start the year in the major leagues because that's not really what the Rays do with these young guys. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Um, but, you know, here's, here's where Archer is right. Archer is right because he was Honeywell at one point. And he was the 22-year-old guy with the great arm and, and lots of confidence. And then he got to the major leagues. And then he found out it's not like pitching in the minors. It's not like just because you got great stuff, you're going to not get knocked around. Um, teams will figure you out. And, you know, every every time out there, you're facing a major league lineup. It's not just one or two guys that if you make a mistake could hurt you. And so Archer knows exactly where Honeywell is standing right now. And right now he's not been standing on a major league mound. You know, he's been riding his, his uh, upside, which is great, which is phenomenal, and he may be the best pitcher in Rays history. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We don't know yet, but Archer's right. Until he gets some dust on his cleats, you know, and not just in spring training, everything else is just talk uh, because Chris has been there before, and he understands that. And without having done that, you, there's no way you can impart on a rookie what it's really like. He has to go through the trials just like every other guy has, just like David Price did and James Shields and name any pitcher in baseball. They've all had their moments. Uh, and so Archer is correct. In fact, I mean, I can remember, you know, and, and I mean, in terms of production, right, there's nobody better than this, but Derek Brooks with the Buccaneers had this thing with rookies, and it was so much fun to watch because some guy would come in there like a Michael Clayton, drafted in the first round, lots of confidence, national champion, guaranteed to play, going to have 1,000 yards as a rookie, all of that, right? And Brooks would absolutely – first of all, he would never call him by his name. You had to earn to be called by your name. He would he would call him by his number. He would say, oh, yeah, 80 this or, you know, the rookie that. He wouldn't even call him Michael Clayton. Wouldn't call him Michael. Wouldn't call him anything. So wouldn't refer to him in some, in some, other, some other fashion. And then one year, 
you know, after they released, uh, you, you have these cut-down dates, or, or did, now they've changed it, but you'd cut down to 75, and then eventually you cut down to 53 the next week. And so, you, you know, I mean, if you can imagine how cramped the lockers were before they moved to the new one, Buck Palace, but at the old, you know, the old trailer park over there off of runway 36 right, the lockers were crammed together. And But after the first cut, a bunch of guys would leave. And, and Clayton one day decided that suddenly there was an empty locker next to his, and so he was going to take both lockers. He was going to occupy – he expanded his, his living space, if you will, and just sort of decided these were his two lockers. Derek Brooks had no interest in either locker. Derek Brooks's locker was nowhere near his. But when he saw that, he decided, you know what? This is my locker. And he moved all of Clayton's stuff back into the one locker, and he taped his name above the other one and, and basically defied him, not for any other reason, but, hey, Rook, you know, what do you think you're doing? Like, this is, you know, you got to earn this. And so th- there is a long history in, in professional sports of, of guys having to earn their stripes, and I think this is sort of what Archer is doing. By the same token, no, I can't disagree with anything that Brent Honeywell has said about Chris Archer. I mean, is it not true? I, I can't. I can't disagree with it. But I also, I want a pitcher with some swag. Yeah, I, I sure want. You I do. want a starting pitcher that goes out there thinking he's the best every day. That that right. no one on the staff can touch him, and no one on the other team can. That's uh, that. Maybe you. Maybe you're not used to hearing people talk about it in the media, but you know, I want a pitcher with that confidence. Right, and and they got look. They've they've got plenty of guys that. Uh, in in fact, this is the one thing the Rays have done is. They managed to acquire pitching, and, and they've, they've developed these guys, and that's why they probably feel confident if Jake Odorizzi gets traded. And, and look, it, it's not without it's not beyond the realm of possibility that we don't see Chris Archer here if, if the right deal could be struck. I, I happen to think that he is going to be here at least to start the season, and uh, we'll see what happens after that. But, the, you know, he's in control for a number of years and has a pretty uh, cap-friendly, uh, if you will, or contract-friendly deal. Um but by the same token, you know it's it, it's been an interesting. Again, he's twenty nine. This is not this is not a guy who has had David Price's career or James Shields' career. He's done some really good things and he's been an all star, but he's still not fulfilled everything. So here's what's interesting: uh, Archer had uh, had more to say, and in, and you mentioned the swag. In some ways, is Honeywell too much like Archer? I think the competitive nature is definitely is, is definitely there. Um. You know, at 22 years old, I wasn't that vocal. Um, I knew my role. And uh, there's some similarities, and, and there's some, a lot of differences, too. He's, he's definitely himself. He's definitely himself. <laughs> so he's definitely himself. So he's not just like Chris Archer, who sometimes, as we know, has always gotten into his head a little bit. I mean, you watch Archer pitch early in his career. He had so much energy, and, and he was so demonstrative. And people thought, okay, enough of the – of the antics, you know, there was, there was, you know, yelling at hitters and, you know, coming off the mound fired up, which I, I kind of like, but you thought, you know, well, maybe it's a little too much. Um, but they're, they're alike in the sense that, like you said, they have swag. Now here's the question. So what is Archer's role? It, you know, he's, he's clearly a team leader. We had him as the face of baseball with Longoria gone. You could argue that him and Kevin Kiermaier are the face of the Rays. But does he does he lead the entire team or just the pitching staff? I just continue to do my thing day in and day out. I'm a pitcher, so it's hard for me to try to lead a group of position players who have to play every single day. Um, I do my thing. Um, I put the work in. I try to put up the best numbers I possibly can. 
and um, that's all I really can do. It's all he can do, and he's going to have some help this year because I think that defensively they're going to be a better team. I think they're probably uh, going to approach it a different way on offense, certainly in, in trying to move the baseball, and, and they won't hit as many home runs. It's going to be in a lot of close games. It's going to come down to pitching, and they're going to have a number of young guys. I mean, it's not it's not just Chris Archer anymore. Um, you know, you, you mentioned we mentioned Faria. Uh, you have Honeywell. There's going to be other guys that are going to come up and be uh, part of this staff as the year goes on. In fact, uh, Archer is really confident. How confident is he in this pitching staff? In order for us to be successful, we have to pitch at our top capabilities. We don't have to be anything more than what we are, but we have to produce, just like on the position player side, just offense, defense. Um, you know, everybody has to be clicking. We talk about that every year, but the pitching is our strong suit, and uh, we need to make make and take full advantage of it. It is going to be their strong suit. And, again, a lot of young guys, and it'll be fluid because I, th- I still think you're going you're gonna to see guys like Odorizzi and, and others, you know, um, you know, perhaps perhaps their closer, Alex Colomay, will be will be a guy that could be traded before the season starts or certainly during the year. We just don't know. Um, the one thing that Archer is going to be different for him and, and for a lot of these guys is that they don't have Jim Hickey anymore. I mean, Hickey, Hicks moved on, and I think there's going to be – uh, a change because the Rays, again, are sort of trying to get on the cutting edge as, as they have been in baseball with all the analytics. You're going to see guys not going as deep into games intentionally. They're going to play more matchups. Uh, I had talked to uh, the pitching coach, Kyle Snyder, a little bit about that at the Rays Fan Fest, uh, about trying to get the 19th out. You know, when you get when you get through the, through the lineup three times, you know, how generally – uh, you know, the, the, the batting average goes up, everything goes against the pitcher a little bit. So at that point, they might be talking about more matchups. I'll say this, uh, Chris Archer, who was very close to Jim Hickey, he's very excited about Kyle Snyder. Kyle and I spent a lot of time together this offseason uh, talking about how I can individually be better and how the staff as a whole can be better. And uh, we have a great relationship. He communicates extremely well. And I think it's going to be huge for all these young guys that we're talking about, he was either their pitching coordinator or their pitching coach over, over the course of the last five years in the minors. So um, I think that the relatability there is going to be great. And him just, you know, helping Odorizzi and, and Nate Evaldi and some of the older guys is going to be great. So things are starting to rev up a little bit over there at uh, Charlotte Park. And speaking of revving up, you got the Daytona 500 just around the corner. Boogity, boogity, boogity. That's right. And I I was thinking about, you know, in in terms of NASCAR, I was asked this question on TV the other day, and it's a good one. Should NASCAR be worried a little bit? I mean, I I don't, I'm always one because, you know, the Daytona 500, uh, NASCAR sort of plays their Super Bowl first. It's it's a very unique, you know, it's the the greatest race these guys have had all offseason to to, to play with the cars and get them tuned up. And this is the best they're going to be. And it's, you know, terrific track and event and all those things. And yet, if you think about NASCAR this year, I mean, look at the the number of big name drivers that they that are retiring. I mean, or that have retired. Jeff Gordon is gone. Uh, Tony Stewart has left. Carl Edwards is gone. Dale Earnhardt Jr., maybe the most popular driver of, of all time, uh, next to his dad, Senior, is gone. And now even Danica Patrick, who was a draw from a marketing standpoint, she says she's out after this one final. Daytona 500. So 
I'm wondering if if the following is going to be there because people tend, I think, to to follow drivers and teams and that sort of thing. So you're not going to know you're going to miss these guys, even though some of them are team owners. Um, and then on top of that, I just think in general, what's what's happened with NASCAR because it had reached its it had reached such a, an unbelievable popularity, but then it became corporate. They can't find sponsorship for these rides. It's so expensive. They started going to these big city tracks like Las Vegas and Dallas. And, you know, it used to be a sport that was all about Carolina and Talladega and, you know, these sort of places. I'm just wondering, I know they're okay financially because of the huge TV contracts they have, uh, you know, just in terms of the overall sport, but individually, uh, like I said, it's harder to find rides. And now, and now the drivers don't have the appeal it, are we starting to see the decline of this sport? I think it's been going on for five to ten years, to be honest. If you look at television ratings and, and that, it, it bears yeah. out. Um, I know personally, uh, I was never the biggest NASCAR fan, but I did follow it, and I've been to, to many races, both at Talladega and Charlotte. Um, and the sport kind of lost the appeal to me. It kind of To me, it became like the NBA, where everybody's in the race to the final five laps and that's all you really need to watch because they've they've leveled the pe- playing field so much no one can really dominate a race that's in that true where you know you're up you're you know this driver's you know 10 seconds ahead of everybody and oh in about five laps it'll be back to the pack and that's the way it's designed now for parity and all that that you know the nba the regular season is very much that way it's yeah you know, the first three quarters three and a half quarters don't matter i'll just watch the last five minutes of the game and it'll be exciting and and great and i'll know who won um, that's, 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 that's my personal become. experience too. You're right about that. And, and it's almost like, uh, you, you, you turn it on and you see who, you know, it's a, it's a war of attrition. You see who wrecks and who doesn't wreck. And if your guy doesn't wreck and he's still in it at the end, then it comes down to, to some dude calculating the gas. I mean, isn't it funny that the, the one thing that we, we almost no one does anymore because these cars all have well, good warning signs when you get in a car. I haven't run out of gas since I was like 18 years old anyway. Um, but that seems to be how you lose or win a race based on how far you can push it. And we've seen guys run out of gas on the last lap. So it, it is. It's like it's more everybody's close, and then it's more of a calculation-type deal. Um, but that's supposed to be what, what makes the drivers, when you have that much parity in, in the restrictor plate, then it's supposed to be a driver's game. It's not always the case. Anyway, I don't know. I'll, I will watch the Daytona 500 just because it's what I do this time of year. There's not a lot of great choices on television. Spring training, although it started in camp, there's not games on. NBA is, you know, even though they're, they seem like to be about 65 games in their season, they're still not at the all-star break just yet. So this is that time when I can actually focus on a race a year, and it'll probably be Daytona. But it's going to be weird not seeing all those names that you've been you've been used to uh, for so much. So I, I usually watch anyway. Daytona, and I'll watch the Indy 500 on Memorial Day. And, yeah, and even I, I don't even know like those drivers holiday. anymore, but it's just I've always watched it since I was a kid. That's right. That's it's become a holiday, a little like the Super Bowl, if you will. So that's our podcast uh, for today. We want to thank you for joining us. You can always uh, we want your feedback. We want this to be a habit. We want to know what you think, and we can answer some questions as well. I keep promising we're going to have a mailbag, and we are. Maybe we'll do one of those tomorrow for a little bit uh, as well, Steve. That would Sounds be a like good a good idea. plan. And then um, you can reach us. Uh, at Sports Day TB on Twitter, at Sports Day TB, or you can reach me at NFL Stroud. Also, my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com or stroudbucks at aol.com. And they can find this podcast almost anywhere, right? SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, tampabay.com slash sports. You name it, we're there. 
All right, well, thanks so much for listening. We hope to talk to you tomorrow. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Versnick, have a great day. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.